Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. This is what I call freedom. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Show on Bronx Talk Radio, broadcasting straight out of the city of Chicago, folks. And it's hot. It has been hot. It feels like Arizona, <laughs> just about, you know. It's been 90, 95 degrees over here near the lake, and it's supposed to be cooler. Not today, not for the last few days. It's been pretty, pretty hot, uh, humid, muggy, stuffy. And it looks like it's going to be that way. It could be that way. Um, we could still have summer-type temperatures, at least in the city of Chicago and some places around America, on into October. October. And that's unusual. Uh, global warming, <laughs> whatever, climate change, something, it has to, something has to be, uh, uh, it has to be to that effect in some instances, you know, whether you believe or not to believe, but you always, we can always agree on this. Something is happening out here. All this strange and weird and weird weather that's taking place around the country with these tornadoes. Puerto Rico is, is, is just about destroyed. I mean, people are still trying to pick up from Harvey in Texas. People are still trying to pick up from uh, Florida, the Florida Keys and up and around the Virgin Islands, including uh, the Caribbean, um, Miami. I mean, this Houston, this is uh, phenomenal. So something has uh, has to There has to be an explanation, and I don't think it's God. I don't think He's mad at everybody. I don't think God would 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 would, uh, kill innocent people, including children. You know, He's supposed to be the Savior, right? So I don't think this has nothing to do with anything biblical. Um, It's just a freak of nature. It's something I think that is caused by man. Okay, you can disagree. Great, wonderful. But don't start listening to the show because you disagree with me on certain things because, you know, I mean, I can stand to be corrected. I have no problem with that. All right. But it might be global warming or climate changes or something. They should check into that. You know, Al Gore might be onto something for all these years. He's been trying to get us to listen, people to get people to believe, but he might be onto something. All right, Susan Collins just announced she will not. Anyway, we're talking about this health care bill uh, today, Monday, today, that basically failed. I'm hearing that it's actually failed. A lot of people don't know that it's failed yet. They're still talking in the present tense. But as it as, as of now, it's, pale, it's failed. And I'm hearing even the Republicans are admitting that this health care bill has failed. The CBO has estimated that millions more people will be thrown out their health care. And you have this, what, what do they call it, Graham Cassidy bill, you know, basically Trump care, because he, uh, he would sign it into law if, if this thing would have passed. My understanding is that it has failed. And now if they want to try to bring it up again, they're going to need Democratic votes because this time they're going to need 60 votes. If, it, if they could have gotten it passed today, they would have only needed 51. But now it's going to be much harder to pass uh, Trump's care next time because they're going to need Democratic votes. It's in the Constitution, and they themselves even say this. Now, if they want to try to pass it any other way without Democratic votes, it's not feasible. Because they have, uh, I'm, I'm assuming they've gone past their deadline in trying to pass this thing. 
you know, <laughs> now they need Democratic votes to, to pass it. You know, so they have to bring the Democrats in on this. And I, I understand this is one of the reasons why John McCain, Senator John McCain of Arizona, he didn't want to, he wasn't going to support this bill because there was no Democratic uh, involvement on it. But now there is. Uh, if it's true, what I've been reading and hearing that this bill is, as of now, dead. An hour ago, two hours ago, they, it wasn't dead. They were just voting, I believe, but now it's dead. And um, that's a good thing. Uh, but did you see the um, videos of people, uh, disabled people flooding the flooding Capitol Hill and these and these senators' offices, these Republican senators' offices? That was phenomenal. And then you know the Capitol Police was just you know <laughs> arresting some of them and then just throwing some of throwing some of them out of out onto the street disabled people treating them like garbage can you imagine treating disabled people just like garbage you know throwing them out talking to them in a rough way not listening walking past them as if they're nothing this is what republicans are all about but with with all of this uh with all of their input the disabled people People with pre-existing conditions, they've won this thing. The American people won. They didn't want any, they didn't want it dead. They want improvements to it. And for the third or fourth, fifth time that they've tried, and they've tried since Trump been in office, because they've tried a lot of times before. I mean, they tried several times before while Obama was president and they failed. Then they tried several times uh, with this asshole Trump and they've failed. So now they need Democratic votes. And with Democratic votes, and if Democrats don't like it, you know, they're not going to, uh, I'm assuming if they don't like it, they're not going to push it forward. But now it's, it, it's in both Republicans and Democrats' hands. The Republicans can try to pass it without Democrat votes, but it's not going to muster up enough votes. Uh, I, I think people, some of the people, some people, and the Republican Party is still going to defy it and say they're not going to vote for it. But I think what failed, uh, three people, three people, Susan Collins, I think Rand Paul, and I believe John McCain, maybe. I don't know if Lisa Murkowski voted or not. I, I have no idea. But anyway, these folks uh, voted against it. They didn't like it. So three or four people voted against the bill, and, and it failed. But hundreds I mean, but, uh, you know, all the rest of the Republicans voted for it. And you should remember their damn names when they come uh, uh, election time, November 2018 election time. Remember all of these senators, Republican senators who uh, voted for your health care to be taken away. You should remember their names and vote their asses straight out onto the streets. One of the things I do know, I want to say, actually, I want to say about the the uh, hundreds or thousands of disabled people flooding Washington, D.C., the Capitol building, and, and uh, uh, the Capitol police being told to throw them out. But I can tell you this, if it wasn't for the Capitol police, uh, 
throwing out the disabled. The disabled would be throwing out these jackass senators. The Capitol Police is there to protect their asses. But if it wasn't for the Capitol Police, they know the American people would go in there and jack their asses up out of those offices. They should realize this, these Republicans who voted for the bill. They should and don't give a damn about the, the disabled. Americans in general, period. They care about kissing Tr- Donald Trump's ass. That's what they care about. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show, folks. It's great to be back. We were gone for about three days, right? We we're going for, gone for about three days. But usually those are the three days we just have off. I have to do, have other things to do, have other things to try to take care of. Hopefully, you know, a family got to deal with and, uh, you know, errands and stuff like this and doing some editing. And uh, so, uh, but four days a week for the George Wilder Jr. show, I think is impressive because you got some people on internet radio who, who are on for just one day. And you, there's folks been inviting me on their radio show. I said, okay. Then I find out it's only on one day for 15 minutes. I said, give me a break. But my show since its inception has been here. Uh, it's always been, I, I think I, I started off with two days a week, I believe, two or three. Then I expanded it to four. And then I was telling myself I'm going to actually expand it to five days a week. But somehow I have, haven't gotten around to five days a week. But basically, it's been four days a week, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I hope you have, too. And I, th- I want to thank you for your listenership. I mean, as I've said several times before, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate um, you tuning in. I appreciate your time, because that's your time. I mean, you're giving it to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And I have the initiative of that. And I want to thank you again. I know a lot of you out there, as I've just got through saying, you don't agree with everything I say. Uh, great. I mean, that's why it's we're here for debate. I mean, I mean, I can stand being corrected. I don't. I'm not a child. You know, I can stand being corrected. And, and if uh, if you have a valid point, I say, hey, wow, you're right. Now I'm wrong. That's what the George Wilder Jr. Show is all about. But if you're wrong and I'm right then I'll say, I'm right, you're wrong. But, <laughs> but it's, it's fun. And you, you make it fun. You make it uh, exhilarating. You make it, uh, uh, you feel good about yourself. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I don't know everybody's heard about Trump and the NFL and the NBA. I think it's pathetic. And one of the things uh, I do on my show, I, I'm straightforward. I, I tell it like it is. I don't beat around the bush. I don't just say what's happening and not give my own opinion and my thoughts on it because that's what I do. And I love people who come on the show and just, you know, have at it. I mean, don't hold back. Uh, Say the things that's on your mind. Say what you really feel about something. You know, don't try to, uh, there's too many people out there. You ask them a question, they talk around it. They talk above it. They don't answer it. And if they do answer it, they answer it in a mild, soft kind of way. I mean, we're in a uh, era and time in the United States where you have to really, really uh, be be yourself. I mean, if you're going to say the word asshole, you have to say it with 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 conviction, you know. So uh, because I've I've watched a lot of these talk shows on television, listened to a lot of these talk shows on the radio, and people are just not really saying what they really mean. They're waiting for other people to say what they're thinking. Say what you don't try to use other people 
to say what you want to say. You say what you have to say on your own. It, 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 I think it would be better. All right. The NFL response to Trump. Uh, that was yesterday. That was Sunday. Author uh, Katie Tukaro is on the show today. She's been here before. It's an, it's an encore. All right. Okay. And uh, yesterday, I mean, the Sunday Sunday's football roundup, just about every NFL player, there were some, uh, took a stand against Donald Trump. And that was a beautiful thing to see. They took a stand against Donald Trump. And now, I mean, Donald Trump, uh, he's trying to back off some of the things he's said. He's trying to back off some of the things that we're thinking. Because he's getting such, he's getting his ass, uh, not, uh, not in his ass for, for calling um, for calling um, Steph Curry Actually, NBA players, son of a son of a bitches, because they kneel uh, during the anthem. It's their God-given right. It's, it, it, it's the First Amendment, free speech. Trump, Trump didn't have anything to say. I think, and a lot of us think that it was just racial when he stepped in and said, told the NBA to fire them, son of son of a bitches, fire them. That was just racist. He stepped. I mean, there was so many, so many other things on on his plate as president. He has to pick on African American players and the NFL and the National Basketball Association. It was racial to the point. I mean, it was just racial. I mean, it seemed like because it seemed as though Trump was just picking on African Americans who criticized him. Hell, a lot of white people criticized them a lot worse than African than some of these uh, African Americans on some of these cable shows. He never criticized. He never jumped on them. It was racial. It it was totally racial, and the players knew it. The the Americans knew it. Uh, everybody knew this, but Trump. Even though he, you know, I mean, if you've seen that video of, of him saying. Fire that son of a bitch. Calling his mom a son of a bitch. Calling his mother a bitch. And she came back with a real nice response. Calling Nickel, calling his mother a bitch. She came back with a great response. Well, I guess I am a bitch. <laughs> he is my son. It, it, it is just phenomenal at this buffoon, this this clown, this creep that we have in the White House. I, I just think he's through. I don't think he's going to recover from, from this, no matter how he tries to defend himself against this, no matter how the White House try to, tries to defend himself from this, because we all know that Trump's a liar. We know that he's a racist. We know he's a white supremacist. We know that the people around him uh, in his circle are white supremacists. So why would we believe anything they say Trump is Donald Trump is who he is. He always have been. He hasn't changed. He's 71 years old. There's no changing in his soul. He is what the hell he is. A racist. A sexual assaulter of women. A liar. A pathetic and pathological liar. 
And this was just all racial. I mean, if they try to deny it, they're lying. Read between the lines of everything that Donald Trump has said, how he said it, when he said it, and what his background is. This is not the first or last time that Donald Trump has uh, dissed African-Americans, people of color in general. Now he's, uh, his travel ban is including uh, uh, more countries. That's racial right there. He's excluding people of certain nationalities, certain colors from coming into the country. That's racial right there. That's racist. He wants to, uh, at one time, I don't know, maybe he's softened on this by now, but he, one time he wanted to uh, deport all the dreamers. That's racist. Everything he does is racist. And it just cracks me up when people go around uh, defending him and saying he's not a racist when the man truly, truly is, by his actions, he is. We've got the syndicate in the White House, the godfather. <laughs> Trump is the godfather, you know. <laughs> Instead of pulling a, putting a bullet in someone's head, he just fires them. He's the godfather. We've got the senate, cynic in the uh, uh, White House syndicate if i can say it my i don't know the, the, all of this is just so just we we have a rotten president what can i say rotten to the core and then we have uh, a lot of republicans as, as i said a lot, many times who will not do anything who will let this stain on the white house and this stain on america prevail now we may be getting into a war with north korea yeah, we may be getting into a war with North Korea. You know, because there's uh, these two fools, two idiots, Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump. <laughs> this is crazy, folks, but Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump, are they have this war of words. And this war of words just may accelerate. Um... Uh, they just may accelerate. So um, put on your camouflage because we are going to war. You know, uh, you know, uh, war of words leads to a war. It's it, not Kim Jong-un. There's no doubt about it. He started this. I mean, by launching all those missiles and suddenly uh, Donald Trump calls him Rocket Man, which which is ridiculous. Uh, it's totally ridiculous. <laughs> rocket man, little rocket man. Uh, there's nobody littler than Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump is just awful. He's awful as a person. He's awful as the president. And he should get the hell out of that White House. There's no doubt about it. Because the White House has a great big stain on it. America has a stain on it. And right now, America hates Donald Trump. There is no doubt about it. There's no, this is why I say, I don't think Donald Trump is going to be able to come back from this. I don't think this is going to, he's going to ease up out of this. He may, uh, even if he somehow miraculously finish off his four years as president, he will never be reelected. He will never be reelected. People are going to be running to the polls to get him out. 
Now, if he survives uh, in office November 18, it could happen. It may not happen because, uh, you know, you never know what this clown is going to do f- from one day to the next. But as we have always, but as we all always have said, it's always distraction with Donald Trump. It's totally, totally distraction to distract you from the Russia thinking about the and talking about the Russia investigation to now talking about what a racist he is uh, for for trying to pick a fight and bullying the NFL players because they're African-American and trying to step on their rights to protest and try to make uh, it, it a big, big excuse. And now he's saying, I'm not, it's not about race. He's saying it's not about race, but he's not saying that he's not a racist. There's a difference. There's a difference. Donald Trump has been called a racist all his life, but you never of him ever saying that he's not a racist or that he's not a white supremacist because he wouldn't say that because most of the people who put him in office are. They will be disappointed if their leader said that he was not a racist. Donald Trump's own father was a member of the KKK. So it, it and the way he has uh, down through the years, the way he has, uh, um, conducted himself with African-Americans, African-Americans is proof enough. Donald Trump doesn't like anybody. He he doesn't even like the people around him. He don't even like the Republicans. Why do they keep Donald Trump in office? Because there is something they want out of Donald Trump. There's something that they're trying to get from him. If they don't get it, then he's out. I think the majority of the Republicans in Congress are bought and paid for. We all know that. Their donors are controlling them. The donors are the people who give them money, who line their pockets. Once that money stops coming, uh, uh, Donald Trump is out of there. But as long as those donors, uh, the, uh, the rich folks who are paying, who, are, who have bought off those uh, congressional senators and representatives, if they stop with the money, then Donald Trump will be impeached. It takes those rich donors. They, they are listening to the people who are lining their pockets, who are paying them off to vote the way they want them to vote. Not the, they don't, not the way you and I want them to vote, even though you and I gave them their jobs. They go to Washington and they become bought and paid for, and then they get on television and uh, with all of that rhetoric, basically saying, uh, "I'm what I am, and this is what I think." F you. All right, you've been listening to the to the George Water Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I think my tongue is a little twisted. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Water Jr. Show. Thanks for tuning in, folks. And uh, wow.
If you would like your product, service, or your book to be mentioned on the George Wilder Jr. Show uh-huh. twice a day, four days a week, <laughs> right here on the George Wilder Jr. Show, just email the show or email yeah. its host for more details. Thank you. Wow, that's kind of low, isn't it? Okay, Trump care collapse. Susan Collins says no. I mean, who would want to be under a health program called Trump care? Give me a break. He doesn't deserve uh, for people to be utilizing anything under his name, not even going to one of his hotels or golf clubs or anything. The guy is pathetic. And and the majority of the people on Capitol Hill, some of these senators, they don't like him either. I mean, Democrats don't like him. I mean, uh, Republicans, some Republicans don't like him. You got some diehard Republicans who is going to stick by him, kiss his butt no, ma- no matter what. But uh, the, the people of the United States, they don't like him. The majority of, majority of Americans, you got some, you, he's still got his base out there. But even some people in Donald Trump's base have reservations and left him. But Donald, he doesn't care. He's president. That's all that all that matters. That all that matters to Donald Trump. He's president. Yeah, but now he is. Okay, Trump care collapse. Collins, Susan Collins says no. As I've said at the beginning beginning of the show that I thought it was dead and it's confirmed now. Uh, Susan Collins comes out against Obamacare repeal bill. The senator from Maine could be the lethal third GOP vote against the health care repeal measure because they were voting on it today. So she came out against it. Okay, this is just talking about her. The bill could cut Medicaid, replace um, that bill would cut Medicare, replace the Affordable Care Act with a less generous set of grants to the states and we can keep protections for the existing conditions. That's what the Republicans have been all about, all about taking away your health care. We vote for these people and we give them the greatest health care in the world, the greatest health care. We put their asses in office. We give them their jobs by voting for them. And then they are put in these positions. And the first thing they think about or want to do is throw you off your health care and let you die. And then say it's good for America. It's good for America. So it's good. So I want to applaud Susan Collins. I think she um, she uh, did a great thing. So once again, let's applaud Susan Collins for killing this uh, healthcare. And and uh, applaud her for probably standing up to some of these uh, Republicans who had the disabled thrown out of their office, thrown out of the building, even arrested. 
They ought to be ashamed of themselves, but they're not because they're kissing the butt of Donald Trump. They're not. Collins has said she would not uh, announce her position on the bill until seeing the CBL report, and she cited its findings in her announcement. With the CBL report confirming her previous years of large coverage losses, Collins quickly released a statement decrying the devastating impact of Medicaid cuts and the slapdash process to get the bill to the Senate floor. As I was saying last week on the show, um, the Republicans gave uh, the bill 90, was it 90 seconds of review on the floor floor by the Democrats, 90 seconds? Yeah, they are, they are always trying to uh, slap dash, to use her word, their word, a bill through, trying to get it through quickly, trying to sneak it through, <laughs> feeling that, uh, so I, I believe this is how they do it. I think, I think Trump tries to um, uh, deflect and distract us away from thinking about the health care bill with, with his craziness. I think it's a ploy. I, I think it's a game that they played and, and they lost. Trump distracts you against this uh, with all of this nonsense that he comes up with. Uh, the only reason why we pay attention to it, because he's president, he distracts us from it while the Republicans in Congress try to sneak uh, bills through uh, thinking that we're not paying attention, thinking that we're not listening, thinking that we're focusing on what Trump has just said or done, which, you know, we are, but our minds are still on them trying to throw people, millions of people off their health care. And our minds are still on the Russia investigation because we know damn well the Trump team, majority of the Trump team, most of them, colluded with Russia to, to, uh, for him to become president. Russia helped him. I mean, anybody can, everybody probably remember that infamous video uh, at one of his rallies before he became president. He looked right into the camera and said, Russia, hack Hillary Clinton and send the email. And did just that. And now him, Trump and his team are trying to deny it vehemently. But we know what what's happening. I think if, if, I think he's going to wind up hanging himself. I think when once this investigation is over, and it could take months, it could take another year. I think once this investigation is over, this Russia investigation, I think Trump is stewed. I think he's done if he doesn't resign beforehand. He's he's Trump is one of the worst presidents ever. He's he he will go down in history of being one of the worst presidents ever. It doesn't matter how many times these people try to defend him, how much they come out and lie for him, how much they kiss his feet, kiss his ass. This guy will go down, is going down in history as one of the worst criminal, corrupt, thuggish, meanest, he is mean, president 
of our history, of American history, in history, in world history. He's going to go down in history as one of the most idiotic, the most dumbest, the most stupidest, craziest, deformed, psychotic. Any other words you want to use? Anybody want to call in and <laughs> use some more words? I know there's a lot of people out there who love him, thinks he's great, thinks he's getting a bad deal. But can you really? Look at what he said about the uh, – a lot of people disagree with uh, what the players do. Hell, I may be – I may even disagree with what they do, but, hey, they, it's their right. It's their First Amendment right. You don't call in and say, hey, fire that guy because he, he's taking a he's, – he's, uh, he's not recognizing the American flag. Millions of people don't. It's their, it's their right. I think Trump just wanted to mess with African Americans in the NF, in the NFL and the NBA. And I will agree with a columnist. I think he's made his race situation even worse. Nobody believes anything he says because he says Trump will say something one day, the next day he'll say something entirely different as if his as if he had a brain cramp or something. But he is mean, nasty, and vindictive. And he's totally unfit for office. He probably knows that. He probably knows that. He may know that um, better than anyone. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It is 6.39, straight up Chicago time. All right, next on the to-do list. When we take over the DNC. <laughs> Harvey bearing down on the Texas coast, category four storm. At the same time, we learned that the president was going to pardon former Arizona Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Did the president use Harvey for political cover? Let's discuss. In fact, let's debate. We have CNN political commentator Anna Navarro and Republican Arizona State Senator Steve Montenegro. Anna? What do you think? Was this playing politics? Even though we have a 24-hour news cycle now, you don't get the Friday pass the way you used to. But do you think the pardon was conveniently timed? Oh, of course it was conveniently timed. Listen, uh, first of all, that same day he, did the, he signed the ban on transgenders serving in the mm -hmm. military, which is incredibly offensive, that a guy who's been a... Earlier this week, Donald Trump made two separate appearances before the United Nations, uh, the first of his presidency, and both times he managed to completely embarrass not only himself, but the entire country of the United States, to the point where his chief of staff, John Kelly, actually gave us one of the most epic face palms of the Trump presidency so far. And that... It is the unexpected remark pitting the president against the most powerful sports league in the country. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired. Oh, and its athletes are blasting President Trump for saying players who kneel during the national anthem should be fired. 
and that fans should walk out in protest of those players. Here's just some of the reaction now from NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. Divisive comments like these demonstrate an unfortunate lack of respect for the NFL, our great game, and all of these players. And a failure to understand the overwhelming force for good our clubs and players represent in our communities. And then there's this from Buffalo Bills star LaShawn McCoy. It's really sad, man. Our president is a expletive. From Max Garcia of the Broncos, what an emphatic response. Where was this passion in response to Charlottesville? Now, athletes from other sports are also weighing in, including Chris Paul, the president of the NBA Players Union, said this. I doubt he's man enough to call any of those players a son of a bleep to their face. Now, in the last hour, the president doubled down on Twitter. He says if a player wants the privilege of making millions of dollars in the NFL or other leagues, he or she should not be allowed to disrespect our great American flag or country and should stand for the national anthem. If not, you're fired. Find something else to do. Joining me now to discuss CNN political commentator and former chairman of the Missouri Republican Party, Ed Martin, A. Scott Bolden, the former chairman of the Washington, D.C. Democratic Party and current chairman of the National Bar Association Political Action Committee, former ESPN senior editor, Keith Reed and CNN senior media correspondent and host of Reliable Sources, Brian Stelter. So, Ed, I want to start with you. Where did yeah. these comments even come from, given the president was there, he was campaigning for Luther Strange, we have North <laughs> Korea, we have health care. Why is he picking this fight? Well, I think there's two answers to that. The first one is, I, and I really am I'm thrilled and I'm grateful again to the president for saying what most Americans feel. I mean, you know, it's really an insult to Americans if uh, guys are kneeling about the flag. There may be people that they object to that they should protest. Maybe they're unhappy about work conditions or something. But we the people, people that die for the country and defend the country, we respect the flag. So I think the president's channeling a lot of what we feel. But the second thing is politics. In Alabama, do you think Bear Bryant or Nick Saban would ever let their players kneel during the national anthem or disrespect the flag? Never. So, you know, he's trying to win a race for Luther Strange, and uh, I think he did a great job. The country is talking about respecting the flag instead of employees of a team or a business disrespecting the nation. I think that's pretty neat. I think it's exciting. But why wasn't the president as direct when he was talking about the white supremacists in Charlottesville? Well, I think he's been direct over and over since then. I mean, I'll do it for him. We denounce white supremacists. We denounce Nazis. Like Nancy Pelosi, I denounce Antifa and their violence, that that violence is unacceptable. And that's great. Let's do it over and over again. But here's the thing. If you want to kneel down, if you want to make a million dollars a year to play cornerback or wherever John Machan, who's not a star, the guy at Buffalo, plays, he can make his millions doing something else. He can go pick up a... You know, pick he up something and... Wait a minute, Anna. Wait a minute, Anna. He called these guys sons of peeps. He called the people who were there at that neo-Nazi rally fine people. There's a big no, difference no, I, there. There's a big difference. Hey, Anna. Around. Yeah, Anna, can I jump in here? Go ahead. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me that uh, the GOP and folks like my colleague here believe there's some connection to how much money these players make because they're talented, and somehow that's a relationship between them, their political no, no, opinions, their First Amendment right, and their ability and their right to protest no the way they want to protest. They may no be kneeling. You think it's disrespecting the flag. I say it's exercising their First Amendment right. 
I may not do it, but they could do something else to protest. And until America takes care of communities of color, of which many of these players come through, then you have no right or audacity to tell them how they're going to protest. Those same people that fought for this country, these same people who fought for this country, fought for them to have the right to exercise their First Amendment. And it's shameful that you would argue they must go work somewhere else. That's nonsense. Anna, he's not being factually correct. He's he's deceiving people. Here's no, the I'm not. No, you're deceiving people because you 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 don't want to recognize the time. First Amendment yeah. rights we'll of these players. We'll let word in, and, and then Scott will come back. Go ahead, Ed. Well, listen. If you work on a construction sh- site in New York City and you kneel down, do you want to protest against the flag or something? You'll be fired. You could be fired. Whether you make a dollar an hour, twenty dollars an hour, or a million dollars for games, the point is a private employer has the right to say how you can act. That's what the president said. And look, the people that kneel down against the flag, there's people that die for the flag. And by and the way, they many died people... for that right for them to kneel down. Oh, and as a private I'm employer, not... the president Anna. has no business telling a private ahead, employer ahead, what, what to Ed, do or not to do. You hear me? Uh, These are private employers. You or the president have no right to tell these individuals how to feel and how to protest and how to respond to their own personal conditions and beliefs. Because they're athletes, they don't lose the right to have a political position or to protest. That's their God-given right. And you can't dictate to them. Yes, you are. You want them fired. The president wants them fired. You can't fire them for exercising their First Amendment right. Now, if they violate some part of their contract, sure. But think about it. That's a constitutional right of theirs, and for you to criticize them or the president to talk about their mothers of all all people, my goodness gracious, it's shameful. Mm. It has no place in the in the in, in the dialogue on this, and it shows how off base the Republicans in this White House are. Because when Tom Brady doesn't protest or protest doesn't go to the White House, he doesn't get attacked. But black people. Black athletes get attacked by people like you and the president of this United States when they have every right to be here. He shows your private privilege and your white supremacy when you when you attack them for those reasons. Hey, guys, I want to get other others into the conversation here. So I'm going to turn to Keith and ask you about the reaction we're seeing by the NFL, specifically by Goodell, by the Players Association. What do you make of that so far? I think it's actually one of the most interesting things about this entire uh, controversy that started last night with the with the president's comments in Alabama. When you have reached the point where Roger Goodell and the NFL are taking the moral high ground against the president of the United States, we've really uh, reached a very, very interesting point in political yeah. discourse. I don't know if you've been paying attention in the last three or four years, but I think it's very difficult for anybody to argue that the National Football League has been in the moral vanguard about anything, whether you go to domestic violence, whether you talk about CTE, whether you, or even whether you talk about Colin Kaepernick or a player's right to, to protest. I'm not sure there are very many people before this morning when Roger Goodell put out his statement uh, really defending the players in the NFL in his, in his league uh, from the attack by the President of the United States, that very many people would, look, would have looked at Roger Goodell for leadership on an issue like this. And I think that this shows you where we are in the public discourse. I also want to go back to one more point, if I can. Um, Mm -hmm. This is not the first time in the history of the United States, and and it's a little bit interesting to me that people are kind of acting like 
Uh, this is a new phenomenon where African-American athletes have been, in, have been at the forefront of speaking out in terms of social change. Mm. This is not new. You can go all yeah. the way back to uh, John exactly. Carlos and, and Tommy Smith. You can go all the way yeah. back to Muhammad Ali, uh, you can, who, who started his career uh, as, a main, as, mm -hmm. as a man by the name of Cassius Clay and who changed his name, converted, uh, became a member of the Nation of Islam, lost his license to box and spent many of his most productive uh, exactly. uh, boxing years uh, banned from the sport because of the stance he took against the Vietnam War. You can look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who, who was another uh, African-American athlete who, who became very, very active and very outspoken in terms of civil rights issues and in terms of uh, issues important to the African-American community mm -hmm. during his, his career. And many of those athletes have been vilified throughout their careers, uh, not necessarily by the President of the United States, but certainly by some fans of their sports who wanted them to, as we hear again, stick to sports. And it's, it's something that we've heard over and over and over again in the last few weeks and months, uh, starting with Colin Kaepernick, uh, continuing last week uh, with the President's comments about my, uh, and, and the White House comments about my friend and former colleague Jamel Hill, and now continuing on today, where we expect athletes to accept any treatment that might, uh, any kind of treatment or any kind of degradation that might affect uh, them and their communities, but we want them to stick to sports. And what we're seeing today is professional athletes, not just black athletes, but prof professional athletes all across the spectrum saying, no, we're not bound to stick to sports. If we are attacked, if you degrade us, if you talk, take personal attacks, if you talk about our mothers, if we feel that the communities that we care very deeply about uh, contribute our, our, uh, our energy and talents to entertain and our money uh, to, to support our attacked, we have the right to yeah. say something, and it is not okay for, uh, for the president or for any private employer to try to abridge the right of any professional athlete or any employee or any, uh, or any uh, independent contractor to be able to, uh, to make whatever statement that they want to make. You don't have the right to do that in this I, I country. Do, I do want to talk about the bigger picture here because it's not just the NFL that we're talking about today, but the president also picking a fight with Steph Curry and the Warriors, essentially turning them away from coming to visit the White House, which is standard because Steph Curry said he might not want to go right. um, and, and because he didn't agree with some of what he has seen by this administration. Right. Right. A number of the warriors have been talking about skipping that normal visit to the White House. Uh, they were going to vote as a team, but Steph Curry says his vote will be not to go to the White House. This is part of a much broader topic. We are seeing many athletes, just like many entertainers, many business leaders, trying to avoid the Trump White House, trying to avoid being associated with Donald Trump. It is a remarkable moment in time that we're in here, that we're asking these questions, and we're asking big questions. Why is it that the president uh, is perceived to be a racist by so many Americans? Mm -hmm. And if he is perceived that way, which he is, then why does he lean into it by attacking African-American athletes like this, whether Listen, it's Steph Curry or Colin Kaepernick? Hold on just a second, Ed, go ahead, and then I'm going to read the statement I just, that just came in from the Golden State Warriors. But, Ed, I'll let you respond for a moment. Yeah, I'm just trying to be respectful because it's hard to interrupt, and I wanted to hear, but... The, the law is very clear. When you're in your private employer, no one, the presence, I'm allowed to say we think it would be better not to. We can't fire them. We can't make them stop. But that's not what the, the Constitution doesn't protect that speech. But let's be clear. If I asked you guys, if I said to my panel, hey, I never met you. I would really like to buy you a cup of coffee. And the three guys or three, I don't know, I can't see the panel. They said, you know, we'd like to think about it because we don't know if we like you. I, you know what I would say? I'll just take back my invitation. There's no reason the president of the United States should be insulted. Why did the president take a baseball bat and swing it into this hornet's nest? Why is he talking about this at all? Why is he trying to divide the country like this, Ed? Because he's a divider. 
because Anna, he drives this narrative of race and racism in this I, country, but doesn't want to be held accountable for it. That's why. Anna, if I can jump in one more, one more time here, I think I, I pointed this out on, on your air a little bit earlier. Uh, one of the things that's, that, that, that's happened here Ed, is I'm that sorry. the president... Ed, just, just a second, Ed, I'm so sorry. I know everybody wants to talk here. <laughs> we don't want to cut anybody off, uh, but people are passionate. Keith, you first. Let me read the statement after that, and then, Ed, I'll let you react. Sure. I think one of the things that's happened here is that the president has, in, has entered into a fray about sports that we rarely see other American presidents do. And so it's a little yeah. bit, I, I yeah. think, and I don't want to attack another panelist personally, but I do think it's a little bit disingenuous to say uh, that to, to compare the idea of the four of us getting together for, for coffee or, or drink uh, to an American president breaking with tradition, with, which is to invite uh, athletes to come to the White House after they've won a championship. And it is not new for professional athletes, no. some of them, to say that they don't want to come on the basis of who's in the White House. Uh, right. uh, the most Which famous we saw happen in the after NFL. the Super Bowl as yeah. well when the Patriots right. were invited. A Patriots, a big team that the president has long time supported because yeah. of his relationships, most of, of course, yeah. with uh, the owner, with the coach, as well as with uh, their quarterback. But here's a statement from the Golden State Warriors, guys. They just responded to the president. All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> Even I was, uh, uh, you know, kind of installed in that. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard. Fighting non-violently. I just love the thought of uh, one of my favorite, favorite all time uh, entertainers, singers, songwriter, uh, mega uh, good guy, Stevie Wonder, uh, taking a knee against Donald Trump. I mean, it's been all it's been all over the place. Pictures, videos of Stevie Wonder taking a knee against Donald Trump. Basically, he's saying, just like the majority of Americans, screw Donald Trump. I have my First Amendment right. I, I mean, I have my First Amendment right. Yeah, freedom of speech. You may not like the way I protest, but hey, you know, it's my right to protest any way that I want to, as long as I'm not being uh, visibly uh, destructive. I don't think I, I actually think if people take a knee against the American flag or refuse uh, to put their hands on the heart doing uh, it's none of Trump's business. I mean, hey, wow, if people are, are standing up against America, then there must be something 
wrong with America. Let's fix it. Let's fix America. So people, uh, athletes, players, uh, just ordinary Americans don't have to protest in that manner. But people were locking, um, I mean, players were, they were locking arms all around America uh, on, on Sunday in the football stadiums. That was protesting Donald Trump. And Donald Trump said, hey, wow, that's, that's good. I like that. Lock arms. This idiot couldn't realize, he did not realize that they were locking arms protesting him because there's no doubt about it, he was trying to drive a wedge between African-American players, white players. He was trying to drive a wedge through owners, saying fire them. He was trying to he tried to drive a wedge between the fans saying walk out the stadium if this happens. So this guy was totally, totally trying to be divisive. The, the kind of person that he actually is. I really didn't want to make today's show all about Donald Trump. I really, truly didn't. But this guy is so bad as president. I mean, you really, really got, you really have to stand up to him in every shape and form. Because you got people on the radio right now praising him, praising what he's done. They're, they're agreeing with what he said about uh, calling Steph Curry uh, 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 disinviting Steph Curry to the White House, even though Steph Curry said earlier that he w- wasn't going or that he was thinking about not going. And suddenly Trump is going to say he's not invited because he's, he, he can't seem to make up his mind. I mean, I think every athlete, every black athlete should just boycott the White House. Even uh, LeBron James, I mean, he said it eloquently. Uh, it used to be an honor coming to, going to the White House until Trump arrived. He's, he's, he's right about that because you know what? If, if the White House invited George Wilder Jr., me, myself, to the White House, I would turn it down. And Lord knows, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I don't have much of anything, but I would have uh, turned it down because I would not want to be uh, associated with any way with, with uh, a racist, a white supremacist, somebody who divides the country, somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing as president, but but tries to make us think that he does, and we all know that he doesn't. So... No, I would not want to go to the White House. But let me get back to Stevie Wonder. I think uh, I've always been a fan of this guy. I mean, he was uh, growing up. I was a fan of Stevie Wonder's. I I just about loved everything that he recorded, even if it was a hit or or if it wasn't a hit, if it wasn't a number one hit. I mean, if he if Stevie Wonder's done it, it he put his all and all into it. Uh, Stevie Wonder is one of the most talented and greatest guys. Uh, singers of all time. He, he has grown children, okay? <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, most of us do, so. Uh, but uh, uh, I guess I remember him when he didn't have any children. Children. He was little Stevie Wonder. And we were listening to Fingertips. Uh-oh. Yeah, he was little Stevie Wonder. He was uh, listening. To, we were listening to Fingertips, which, which is a song he, I mean, even when he, reached his late teens he stopped doing fingertips for some reason but it's there and um 
No, I mean, I just love Stevie Wonder. I'm a fan all over again. I mean, because uh, he's not afraid to uh, exercise his First Amendment right. There's so many people out here who are totally afraid to exercise their First Amendment right. They think something's going to happen to them. They're going to, you know, lose their job or, or their reputation will be damaged or something. Uh, you have to stand up to Donald Trump because if Donald Trump is a bully and if you don't stand up to bullies they win they win and donald trump is the kind of bully if you if you uh kissing his feet he's not gonna like you anymore as if you hated him because donald trump is someone you cannot trust you cannot believe there is something mentally wrong with this guy the Republicans will will not get this guy out. They will not do it. They can impeach him. They can uh, uh, even run him from office, but he will not go. But they won't do anything. Let this man just wreak havoc on America and then say, uh, try to make excuses for him, try to defend him and all this kind of thing. And it's not working. Because if you're defending Donald Trump and his racism, his bullshit, if you're defending this man in any kind of way, then you are with him and you will lose your job. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. What time is it? 7.02 straight up p.m. Chicago time. Yeah, daylight saving time is uh, dwindling. It, it's, it's getting a lot darker sooner. It's letting us know that um, winter is coming. But, you know, this is just the beginning of fall. And in the city of Chicago, we're having some great weather, folks. And wherever you are in the world, I hope you're having some great weather, too. We are having some super-duper weather here. Sometimes it gets too hot, too ridiculously hot and stuffy and muggy. But we have a great big Lake Michigan over there. We can always go jump in the water. All right, <laughs> you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And as I've stated earlier, the, it appears, okay, I'm going to say it appears, because some people said they can do this again. It appears that this, that this current um, try at repealing Obamacare has failed. Uh, yeah, and that's this current try at Obamacare has failed. And I want to thank America. I mean, America, you did it. The senators, uh, uh, the Republicans, they didn't do this. You did it. You showed up at their damn door. You shouted. You screamed. You yelled. You called. You called those switchboards. You called in. You did this. This is people power, not Trump power. Trump care is dead. Would you want to be utilizing something that's called Trump care? Give me a break. He wants you to. Trump wants to sign any kind of health care bill there is, any kind of health care bill there is, because his name would be on it. And that's what he wants. And that's what we fought against. And you won. This is just great. And this is when he went after, without using his name, Colin Kaepernick. Take a look. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL? You know, you just, you look at him um, kind of asking yeah, some of these are too low. I can't even hear myself. 
So uh, it, it's great to know that that health care bill is um, is dead. Hopefully it's dead. And they will need, and if they want to try to pass it, at least pass September, uh, September 30th, they want to pass it. They're going to need 60 votes from what I hear. You know, but anything is always uh, is um, questionable when you're de- dealing with the Republicans. It is really questionable sometimes when you're dealing with these Republicans.
Mr. President. Senator from California. Senator Carper, it's interesting. You talked about Tanzania. Um, it reminds me of a, a greeting that I've um, often heard from people who live in various African countries. You've probably heard it. But when you meet someone for the first time, instead of what we would normally say, pleased to meet you, the greeting back is, I see you. I see you. And I think that really is part of our concern here. Do we see the people who will be impacted in the way that they are actually living their lives? And do we understand, if we see them, that this bill will not be in their best interests? And right now, for example, we know 13 senators, all Republicans are crafting a bill, and this bill would restructure our nation's entire health care system, which when you add up what Americans can spend on hospitals, doctors, prescription drugs, and all the rest, we understand that it makes up one-sixth of our economy. It would affect the lives of everyone, our parents, grandparents, those who are in need of caregiving, our children struggling with asthma or opioid abuse, our spouses who may be battling cancer. And what is equally distressing is that this bill is being written in secret. The chairman of the Finance Committee says he has not seen the bill. The Secretary of Health and Human Services says he has not seen the bill. The American people, the people we all represent, have certainly not seen the bill. Well, I think the American people deserve better. This bill is being written entirely along partisan lines without any attempt to bring Democrats on board. And the American people deserve better. This bill is being written and rushed through the Senate with hardly any time to debate the cost or the details of this proposal. And the American people deserve better. Now I remember when our colleagues across the aisle said the Affordable Care Act was being rammed down the American people's throats in the middle of the night. Well, the ACA went, in fact, through 106 public hearings. It incorporated more than 170 Republican amendments. The whole process took an entire year. But this health care plan involves no hearings, no bill text, and no transparency at all. As United States Senators, we were sent here to represent the American people, represent the American people. We answer to the American people. So why are my colleagues from across the aisle trying to put one over on the American people? I've met folks all across California and this country, and they see what's happening. They know that if this bill were as wonderful as its proponents would like us to believe, it would be out in the open. The American people deserve greater transparency. But even though the authors of this proposal have tried to conceal the details of their plan, we know enough to know this bill would be nothing short of a disaster. We know because we have been told that it's about 80% the same as the bill that was passed by the House, a bill so catastrophic that even the President of the United States, who hailed its passage, now calls it, quote, mean. We know that it would throw 23 million Americans off their health insurance within a decade, including putting four to five million Californians at risk of losing coverage. We know it would raise costs for middle-class families and seniors. In every county of California, 
average monthly premium costs would go up while financial support to pay premiums would fall. We know it would put Americans with pre-existing conditions at risk and leave people who need maternity care or opioid treatment without coverage or force them to pay huge out-of-pocket costs. We know it would cut about $834 billion for Medicaid, which means less money for families to pay for nursing homes, to support children with special needs, or to treat substance abuse. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. And that is another reason we need the Affordable Care Act <laughs> to be in place in a way that we fix what's wrong, but we mend what's broken and not repeal it all together. I recently visited, Mr. President, a really remarkable treatment clinic in Los Angeles. It's called the Martin Luther King Jr. Outpatient Center. Everyone from the doctors to the patients can tell you that when 46,000 Californians, excuse me, 4,600 Californians are dying every year from substance abuse and opioid overdoses, it is wrong and irrational to cut Medicaid. So it really makes you wonder, why would anyone support this bill? How does this bill help real people with real challenges? At a healthcare rally in Los Angeles back in January, I met a woman named Tanya. Before the ACA, she'd sign up for insurance just long enough to see a doctor. She'd then have a few tests done and fill a prescription. Then she would realize she couldn't, couldn't pay and couldn't afford to pay for the insurance beyond that. And she said it's, quote, the worst feeling in the world to have to tell your doctor who is trying to make you well that you cannot afford the treatment prescribed. Tanya told me, quote, before the Affordable Care Act, living without health coverage was a nightmare in this country. But she went on to say that has all changed. And thanks to the ACA, I can now see a doctor when I need to, monitor my condition, and stay healthy so I can keep working and contribute to our nation's economy. If my colleagues in Congress, and she referred to them as if the Republicans in Congress repeal the law, I don't know what I will do. So I ask, how does the Republican health care plan help Tanya? Another woman, Krista, told me, quote, I am married with four children, none of whom, and one of whom is a 10-year-old type 1 diabetic. He requires daily active insulin management to stay alive. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. She went on to say health care is not optional for us. Even with health insurance, diabetes management is the type of thing that can bankrupt you. With health insurance, I can't imagine what I would do. She went on to say the ACA is a huge relief for my family. So I ask, how does this bill help Krista and her family? Then there's Rhett in Marin County. More than seven years ago, he was diagnosed with leukemia. Rhett is nine years old. He says, cancer cells are the bad guys. This is what he wrote me. For three and a half years, I took chemo to get the bad guys out. I had more than 1,000 doses of chemotherapy. My parents had to tell my sister that I might die of cancer. 
And then he went on to write, Thanks to my doctors and nurses, my family and friends, my church and my community, and the Affordable Care Act, now I'm, and then he writes, gone with the cancer. I have a pre-existing condition. Thanks to the Affordable Care Act, my parents don't have to worry about losing coverage. A nine-year-old Rhett is showing us the way. But how does this bill help Rhett? Now, I don't know the party affiliation of any of these folks. I don't know if they're Democrats. I don't know if they're Republicans. I don't know if they're independents. I don't know if they're members of the Green Party. I'm not asking them those questions. I'm asking them, how are you doing? What's helping you? What do you need? And how will this impact you? And I know that I'm just one of two senators that they have. And when it comes to their needs and their need to be represented in the United States Congress and their need to be heard and their need to be seen, party affiliation should not matter. What should matter are the needs of the American people. And regardless then of who they vote for in a partisan election, I am certain of this. This yeah. health care plan that is being proposed by my colleagues from across the aisle will not solve their problems. And it will only create, in fact, more problems and potentially devastate people's lives. So to my colleagues, I say, this shouldn't be a matter of supporting this bill automatically if you're a Republican or objecting just because you're a Democrat. This is about what's right and what's wrong. If you know this bill is bad, stand up and stop it. Speak that truth. Now is not the time to keep quiet and hope nobody notices. Forget the politics. Forget partisan pressure and talk radio and primary ads. Instead, just listen to the voices of the American people. Not just in California, but in Nevada, in Arizona, in Ohio, in Alaska, in Maine, in Pennsylvania, in West Virginia. Because they have made themselves overwhelmingly clear. Only 20% of Americans support this bill. A majority opposes it in every state in this country. It is the least popular piece of legislation in modern history. I'm asking you to think about the American people. I'm asking you to think about Tanya. Think about Krista. Think about Rhett living with leukemia since he was just two and a half years old, undergoing two and a half hour infusions every night with such incredible bravery. Let the determination of Americans like Rhett bring us together. A nine-year-old boy who tells us in his words, don't repeal the Affordable Care Act, improve it. Because we all agree the ACA can be improved. It must be improved. It isn't perfect. And I am ready to work with anyone who really wants to make it better. Instead of playing politics, instead of playing politics with public health 
and people's lives, we can actually work together to strengthen our health care system. In fact, I'm proud to have recently co-sponsored a bill with Senator Dianne Feinstein and a number of my Democratic colleagues. Our bill would make it safer and easier for middle-class Americans to buy insurance if they currently don't qualify for any help paying their premiums. These are the kind of solutions Democrats can get behind. These are the kinds of solutions that would help and not hurt the people we represent. We took an oath to represent all the people. So I am asking every member of this chamber to think long and hard about the consequences of this bill. Think about the responsibility we've been entrusted with. We owe it to the American people to tell the truth, not to hide it. We owe it to the American people to solve real problems, not to manufacture new ones. We owe it to the American people to do the job we were sent here to do. All righty. <laughs> okay. She's, uh, yeah, she's running for president. Uh, yeah, it was stated a few months ago that she thought a few months ago, uh, maybe a month and a half, uh, that she was running for president. And uh, she has not yet said that she was not going to run. Um, Carmelia Harris, Carmela Harris, said she was going to, um, uh, well, she didn't say it, but other people in her circle were saying that she may just run for president in 2020 against Donald Trump if he decides to run again, if he lasts that long, you know, to be able to run again. Anyway, um, I would love to see her. She's African-American. I would love to see her run. I would love to see a woman president, period. I mean, I, I truly would. I've got nothing against women. I think, I think there's some of, the, some of them are some of the loveliest creatures around and others may not be. But, you know, some of the women are some of the most loveliest creatures around. And I think that she would, she's very intelligent. She's very educated, um, uh, knows what she's doing. She has her head on straight. At least it sounds like it. And she's a beautiful woman. There's no doubt about it. If you, if, I mean, beautiful women. I, I'm not afraid to say that a woman is beautiful. If a woman is not beautiful, I will say that also, you know, but in a gentle way. But she's a Carmelia Harris. Carmela Harris. That's that's it. Okay, thanks for the right pronunciation, Carmela Harris. Uh, uh, yeah, she may run for president. She trashes Trump. You know, she's another one. Anyway, this latest attempt to, um, as I've said before, this latest attempt to to kill Obamacare failed miserably. Three Republicans voted against it. Uh, John McCain, um, Susan Collins, and Rand Paul. I guess Lisa Murkowski, uh, she voted against it uh, the last time. I guess she decided, uh, this time she decided to vote for it. So I guess the Republicans got to her, you know, they, <laughs> they got to her and she switched her uh, vote to yes. Uh, when she, when she voted no the last time, you, you can't really uh, 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 trust politicians. I mean, they will 
be with you one moment and the next moment they're against you big time on the same issue, you know. So this is what happened to uh, Lisa Murkowski of, Af- of, of Alaska, if I can say Alaska. My, t- my tongue is twisted today, folks. I don't know why. Anyway, Trump care is dead. I mean, who would want to uh, uh, go to the doctor and, uh, with Trump care? Give me a break. Trump hate, hates that this thing failed because it carried his name, just like Obamacare carried Obama's name, you know. But uh, I am so happy that it's failed because we don't need nothing around here that we're using with Trump's name on it. This is a pathetic guy. Uh, I know some of you people disagree with me. That's fine. Uh, you know, it, it's just me. You can listen to another show. All right. Uh, all right. We're just about off the air, 725 uh, Chicago time here. And I want to say once again, I'm so proud of Stevie Wonder for what he's, what, for what he's done. The guy is around 65 years old. 66. Okay. And uh, he's still out there making great music, beautiful music, uh, touring all over the place. Uh, He's been a genius since he was 12, 13 years old. So, you know, go Stevie.
everybody out there in the world for listening. The George Wilder Jr. is for you. And I want to say Trump Care is dead. Uh, thank you, America, for that. On the George Wilder Jr. Show, thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.